will be brief. It will be a brief word. Are you guys coming to eat with us today? Yeah. You are? Oh, bummer. Because we were going to go to Outback if you weren't coming. So anyway, I guess I'll preach a little longer today because it looks like it's a cracker barrel. It's a cracker barrel. Um, Patty, I just want you to know this morning that as I, as I was hitting some of my favorites, I hit Perks when he calls me and says, you got a friend. So much prayed for you today. So much. I mean, it's hard to grasp. He really is gone. I mean, it's hard. It's hard to grasp. But he's he's not very far away. The Bible says, Hannah, we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. And uh, they're watching over us and they're interceding. If you think when you get to heaven, you're done. You're not. It's time then you pray for the saints here on earth that they can overcome and they would be blessed and they would be. And so we 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 love we love we love Perk. And we just again, I just got a, I just got a feeling if there's a computer in heaven, Perk's already on it, and he's already upgraded it. He's got it. He just got all those little buttons and whistles. He was so he was so good at. And if there's an election, I promise you, Perk is a campaign manager, and he's right there. He's right there. He's not on a crowd. He's not on a cloud, taking playing a harp. That's not what he'll be doing. But he'll be doing the things that God has prepared for us, and we will go to him when that on that day of days when the trumpet sounds. And what a wonderful promise that we have. That blessed hope. Uh, if you go to Mark 11. Last Sunday, we talked a little bit about nudges, and we talked a little bit about water blushing and becoming wine. We talked about the presence of Christ in, in, a, in a wedding, and we talked about the favor of the Lord that was upon Mary as she encouraged Jesus to perform a miracle. Jesus was reluctant to respond to the miracle because when the miracle was performed, an hourglass was turned upside down, and the sands of time began to collect in the bottom of that hourglass. And Jesus knew that when all that sand had run out three years later, that he would be murdered, and that he would be sacrificed, and that he would be crucified. And knowing all of that, when mom told him they were out of wine, uh, Jesus said to her, woman, what would you have me to do? My time is not yet. She did not respond to Jesus, but she looked at the laborers, the servants there, and she says this, do whatever he tells you. Do whatever he tells you. Last, last Sunday we talked, or the Sunday before last, we talked about people in our life that are nudging us, people in our life that are encouraging us, books that are ministering to us, and books that are blessing us. I, I shared two weeks ago that if you took the National uh, Congress Library that's in Washington, D.C., and you were put the shelves of that library end on end, it was spanned from Washington, D.C. to Chicago, Illinois, 836 miles of books in that library, not counting the millions of pictures, the millions of, of uh, maps, uh, phone books they have in the, in the library there that you can go back to your great, great, great five generations of grandparents, and you can look through the phone book and see where they lived and what their phone number was. And so we are surrounded by a plethora of information, things that help us grow, things that, that bless us. And this morning for just a few minutes, I want to begin with where we usually conclude. We usually conclude with Psalms 19 and 14 that says, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. And most of you have, if you've been around me very long at all. I really believe that our mouth can either be a tool of blessing or a weapon of destruction. 
James talks about that powerful ship that it's, that it's navigated by, by a little rudder. The Gospel of James talks about a fire that starts with such a, a little spark. It talks about the ability to try to control, control your tongue and use your words for God's goodness and God's glory. And I, I personally believe that every word that we speak, the Bible says in two places, that one day we'll stand before God and we will be judged for every idle word that came out of our mouth. And that's, I mean, that, that's quite a statement that every, I mean, are we going to be judged for every joke we tell? Are we going to be judged for every one-liner? Are we going to be judged for rock music that we quote? I mean, every single idle word that comes out of our mouth. And then I kind of flipped to yesterday. I don't know if you're aware, but there was a flight. Uh, I believe it, Chris can help me here. I believe the flight was to the Bahamas. And there was a gentleman on the plane that said that he had Ebola. It was that. Oh, oh, how many saw that on the news? Was it with the Bahamas while he was on, sorry, Chris, <laughs> while he was on the plane, he, he said, he said, I have, and, and immediately they grounded the plane. They came on with suits. They escorted him out and then they made him come back. They let him stay in the Bahamas. I just think, and I'm just thinking about idle words. I know if, if you are going through an airport check, check place, you do not tease about having a bomb or a gun. You do not. That is go straight to jail verbiage. And so we learned that our, our words really do have a lot of power. When I think about the oldest book of the Bible, and I think about Job, how he didn't have a nudge. He didn't have a Bible. He didn't have a pastor. He didn't have a church. He didn't have books. He didn't have music. He didn't have really anything. But Job said, I know that my Redeemer liveth and shall stand upon the latter days on earth. And though skin worms destroy my body, yet in my flesh shall I see God. Such a prophetic, first of all, an illumination that he knows his Redeemer lives, going to die, going to come back. And that's such a declaration that I know in my flesh, begin to prophesy the resurrection without a Bible. And somehow Job had tapped into the things of God. When I think about Joshua, who for 40 years, Joshua had been had been a, a a help. He had been a he had been a servant. He had been a uh, uh, an, an armor bearer, I guess, if, if you want to look at it that way. And for forty years, everything that Moses did, Joshua made sure happened. Moses was the entrepreneur. He was the visionary, and Joshua and Caleb carried out all the all the commandments and all the input of Moses. And I think that on that day when Moses' body could not be found. He died. God hid the body so they wouldn't build a shrine and stay on this side of, of the Jordan. But that, on that day of days when Joshua did not know what he was going to do, the Bible says the angel of the Lord appeared and gave him instruction not to let this book depart out of his mouth and to meditate on it. There's the mouth and the meditation that whatever that he would think and whatever he would say would actually come to pass. And I, and I, I begin to reflect when, when God told Joshua to meditate on the word. All Joshua had was the five books of the law and maybe Psalms 90. So he didn't have the Psalms. He didn't have Corinthians, didn't have the complete package. But God said, you need to focus on what you've got. You need to speak it. And it's going to come to pass. My notes this morning are brief. I think the guys are going to help me in the sound booth. And a special thank you to Pastor Todd for coming early and tweaking everything, and getting everything ready for our, for our guests. We we appreciate that. And our guys, the sound, the praise and worship. This Saturday morning, we will be having time of fellowship. Please don't miss it. It's a lot of fun. Mark 11, verse 22 
through verse 26. Very familiar passage of Scripture. I'm going to read it from uh, two translations, from the King James, and then for those of us that are shallow and cheap, the Living Bible. Just teasing. I didn't get a chuckle out of that. Help me. Verse 22. And Jesus answering saith unto them, Have faith in God. And the reason that Jesus is telling them to have faith in God, because a, a few days earlier Jesus saw a fig tree and it had leaves on it and it looked like it had fruit. Jesus went to get the fruit, but the Bible says the time of the fruit was not yet. So I never did really understand why he cursed the tree. But when he went to the tree, it didn't have fruit. And the Bible even says it wasn't the season for figs, but when there was no fruit on it, he cursed the tree. A couple of days later, the, the disciples are walking with Jesus, and they look and they behold that the fig tree has withered. It, is, it, it has died. And he brings it, they bring attention to Jesus. Master, here's the tree that you cursed. And it's cursed. Then, then Jesus said, based upon the words of Jesus in a certain area of life, then he said, have faith in God. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. That's quite a broad statement. And of course, as you follow the teaching of Jesus, there are a lot of guidelines of what we are to speak and what we are not to speak. But let me, if I may, in, in the Living Bible, Jesus, in reply, Jesus said to the disciples, if you only have faith in God, this is the absolute truth. You can say to this Mount of Olives, rise up and fall into the Mediterranean and your command will be obeyed. All that's required is that you really believe and have no doubt. Listen to me. Watch this. You can pray for anything. And if you believe you have it, it is yours. But when you are praying, first forgive anyone you're holding a grudge against so that your father in heaven will forgive you your sins also. What a, what a, what a, I guess just an, an on-time word, word for, for us of where we're at right now because there are some areas in our life that we really need God to intervene. We really need God to move. There are areas in our life that we've done everything that we know to do in the possible, and now we're waiting for the impossible. And certainly as you reflect this congregation, as God has blessed this house with ex-drug addict, divorce, all, all of that, Really, a lot of us are in a place of reshaping and refocusing our life. And the Word of God says that if we have faith in God, now I have never personally moved a literal mountain in my life. I've never done that. But I remember there have been times, and, and I don't want to jump ahead, but I'm going to jump ahead. I remember when I was an evangelist uh, ministering in, in, in Georgia from interstate, from uh, um, Rossville all the way to Valdosta, I probably preached 30, 40 different churches on Interstate 75. And I can remember getting on the interstate to head to another meeting, and I would begin to speak in tongues and declare that a Taco Bell would be at the next exit. And I was very disappointed when I got to the next exit that the Taco Bell was not there. And then I realized, obviously, there are things that we declare and things that we speak that are not going to take place. I tried to prophesy over a chair early in my relationship with God and prophesy that Pastor Rhonda would be transported. I mean, it happened for Star Trek. Why could it happen for me? That, that God would just beam her up and put her in that chair. Well, that didn't happen. So you begin to realize there is some balance and there's some wisdom required in the words that come out of your mouth. When, when Moses taught the body, you know, that death and life, 
you know, and I think the Lord just gave me a little revelation. What a big deal. But Moses said, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Speak life so that your soul may live. I, I remembered uh, both my babies and any baby that I've been around ever in, in, in 60 years of life. The baby always cried before it smiled. We are in an environment of sin. The whole world lieth in wickedness. This is, an, this is an evil day. This is an evil generation. There are evil things going on in the world. There are people being kidnapped, people being murdered. There are gangs. There are all kinds, there are all kinds, of, there are all kinds of things transpiring right now. We are a generation that we have learned the negative before we have learned the positive. In the Christian walk, those roles are completely reversed. We operate in the positive and let God deal with the negative. And so when, when Jesus is encouraging the guys, he said, listen, what, whatever, whatever, if you have faith in God, it talks about the grain of a mustard seed. I had a revelation on that too. When God gave us the grain of, 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 of a, the size of a mustard seed, that was that seed that, that Gerald was talking about today, that incorruptible seed that's on the inside of our spiritual man. And when we speak to that seed, that, speak, that seed begins to grow. It begins to mature. And we begin to do small exploits for God first and then later bigger exploits and bigger exploits. This church in this community has a reputation of answered prayer. This church has seen people raised from the dead. This church has, many of you know the story of the, the mom that used to attend this church and she called me, I mean, completely frantic, completely freaking out. The two boys, eight and seven, had gone to the backyard, had fallen into the swimming pool, one boy was already declared dead. The, the other boy was dead. They were working on him. This church prayed. And while this church prayed, the paramedics revived that boy, or God revived that boy. That boy did not die. He is alive today. This church had a guy that, was, that got run over by us. They were horsing around, got run over by, by her. He was in the car driving. He was jumping up on the hood, gooping around. She hit the brakes, and she panicked and ran over his head. They called me. Tim Sal and I blew, to the, blew down to the... The Chattanooga Hospital, we went in. He was dead. And, the, and the, the nurse told me that they were waiting for all the family to come to pull the plug on him. And, and as we walked in that hospital, began to declare the faithless and goodness of God, God brought him back to life. I don't know why God doesn't bring everybody back to life. I believe, I believe there have been times just the past few years I so much wanted to see someone hurting come back to life. But it doesn't stop us from praying the prayer if God chooses not to do that. Then we submit to that. But we are given instruction in the word of God to have faith the size of a grain of a mustard seed. And it says, if we have that faith, we can speak to this mountain and that mountain will be removed. And the first note that I wrote down here in my, in my lesson, which is very, very uh, short this morning, the first thing I wrote down is this. Are you speaking to your mountain or are you speaking about your mountain? Are you speaking to your mountain or are you speaking about your mountain? And what I have learned when you begin to realize that potential, that power of potential is in you and that you can have what you say and you can declare what you want. And, and of course, your appetites are going to change, your spiritual, your diet is going to change. But the Bible says this, if you come to the altar asking God to do anything in your life, this is the revelation and you realize you have ought against your brother, you must leave that ability to ask. You leave that ability to receive. You leave that ability to sow. You leave that ability to, to harvest. And you go to the person that you have ought against. And, and this morning, as I was preparing to share this word, 
I, I was trying to reflect, I was trying to reflect in my heart, and do I have aught with people? Absolutely. Have I tried to go to them? Most of them. But there's some that I, I they're, they're people in my life, I don't care if they live or die. I really don't. And so I have got, anybody out there? Anybody out there? So, so, so if for me to have what I want from God and to receive what I need from God, then I got to forgive people I really don't want to forgive. And I got to be kind to people I really don't want to be kind to. And I don't, I don't want to do that. There's something on the inside that's rebelling against this. But the word of God is very, very blunt. If I don't take care of this, then I can't have that mountain moving faith. I can't speak to the, to the financial pressures in my life. I can't speak to the emotional needs in my life. I cannot speak to the, the ability to be a good parent and to be a good husband. I can't speak those things until I clear things up and make things right. And I realize there are some people, it does not matter how I, how I connect with them, they're not going to receive anything that, that I have to say. They, they can care less whether I forgive them or not. And, and, and matter of fact, they may turn that around and try to use that against me later. Do I have a friend in the building? Yeah. But God's word says, I have got to do that. And so this is a very uncomfortable message for me to preach because I don't try to preach something that I'm not living. But this is something that I'm not living to the full potential. Put your hands this way and say, pray for your pastor. The the, uh, the, the second thing that I wrote down here, as we leave our gift and go to our brother or sister or an unbeliever, whoever it is, Keith, obedience and forgiveness is just as important as faith and persistence. Think about that for a minute. Obedience and forgiveness is just as important as faith and persistence. If we have some blocked channels in our life, if we feel like that there's a wall of uh, gates of brass and a wall of iron steel, if we feel like our prayers are not leaving this 10-foot one room that we're in this morning, if we, if we feel like that there's a hindrance there, then probably there might be a couple areas in our life that we're not operating in obedience and we're not operating in forgiveness. And so you reflect, you do your own reflection, you make your own decisions, and you use this word as, as God has given it to you. When I think about, if you'll go with me to, to John 4 and 46, and I'm not sure the guys have this, have this or not. I love the sound of pages of the Bible as they rush to John 4. If you've got it, say Amen. If you're still looking, say stall a little bit. John 4 and 46. So Jesus came again unto Cana of Galilee, where he had made the water wine. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick in Capernaum, which is about 11 miles away. When he heard that Jesus come out of Judea into Galilee, he went unto him and besought him that he would come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Then said Jesus to him, except ye see signs and wonders, you will not believe. And what an what a abstract statement. Pastor Todd just out there kind of in the middle of nowhere. We're supposed to go to the Lord for things that we need. But God says, I will use signs and wonders to help you believe even more. Verse 49 the nobleman said unto him, Sir, come down, come down here, my, or, or my child will die. 
Jesus saith unto him, Go thy way, thy son liveth. And the man believed the word that Jesus had spoken unto him, and he went his way. And as he was going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, Thy son liveth. Then inquired he of them the hour when he began to amend. And they saith unto him, Yesterday at the seventh hour the fever left him, which is about one o'clock in the afternoon. And the father knew that it was at that same hour in that which Jesus saith unto him, Thy son liveth, and himself believeth, and his whole house. This is again the second miracle that Jesus did when he was come out of Judah into Galilee. How, how ironic, how ironic that the two miracles, the one miracle, and guys, if you'll help me with James 4, 2 and 3. How, how ironic that the first miracle that Jesus is involved with is Jesus' presence in the building, walking past the water. How ironic the second miracle that Jesus did Jesus never went to the boy. He simply sent his word. And there we have, there we have the promise that you don't have to have, be laid on with hands. You don't have to be prophesied over to receive that, that God will respond to your call. God will respond to your need. James 4, 2 and 3. Do we have it on the, up here? Let's see what this says. Ye lust and have nothing, kill and desire to have and cannot obtain you fight and war, yet you have not because you ask not. Wow. Listen, somebody say, wow. wow. We're so busy being human that many of us don't have time in reflection to be godly. He makes an observation. You lust, you kill, you ask for nothing. Because you're content with the lifestyle, apparently, that you're living. And here this declaration is, there's so much more that God has for you. Was that verse, verse 2 and 3? Let's see what 3 says. You ask and receive not because you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your lust. And that's, that's the truth about the Taco Bell. There was nothing building the kingdom by asking for a Taco Bell and really asking Rhonda to appear in that chair, that was, all, that was all me, me, me. That was all selfish. That was, and so Jesus is telling us there's going to be a generation one day that their, their mindset and their, and their lifestyle is so out of order that what they ask for really has nothing to do with the kingdom or the gospel, and God's not responding. Do I have anybody that would, that would help me? I, I reflect back, and I'll, I'll try very, very hard not to be real personal but as I look back 24 years to today, and I, I, there are people in my life that were there 24 years ago that were broken, that were hurt, that were wounded, that were bound, that were in some kind of, some kind of trap, some kind of... And I've watched, I've watched many of them grow the 24 years. I've watched them be delivered. I've watched them be healed. I've watched them blessed. I've watched them married. I've watched, I watched their kids. But if we're not careful, we can get so used to God's goodness and God's blessing that we forget that God has put us on this earth to either be kings or to be priests. And the king goes and, and by dominion takes what the enemy has, priests intercede. So we're, we're living a lifestyle that in our business, in our finances, we should be at a place where we are raising, raising revenue and income for the things of God, not necessarily revenue and income for the things that bring us much pleasure. And I have, listen, if, if I had broom in the backyard, Christine will tell you, we would have a pool. If, if, we, if, if, if the funds were there, we would have 
a, a bass boat. But how dare me spend more money on pool chemicals than I spend on the Word of God? How dare me spend more money on bass and fishing lures and rods and reels than I do in the kingdom of God? The Bible says if you're not careful, you'll get into a season where you, just, you see all the good things of God, all the blessings of God. We forget sometimes where Jesus brought us from to where we are today and what God has blessed us with and that there is requirement in our heart to pay forward in the things of God, the kingdom of God, that the kingdom may be blessed. Now, I realize this morning I'm talking to tithers and offering givers. I realize all of that. But maybe somebody will see this on podcast that's, that has lost that ability to bless the house of God. They've lost that desire to come. I mean, the, when the widow came, she didn't come with a lot, but it's what she had, and she was proud of it. And the Bible talks about the rich man that put a bunch in, that it didn't affect him at all. And Jesus said, I honor this giver more than I honor this giver. Is that not an incredible word or incredible thought there? If, if you, and, and obviously the, the third thing I'd like for you to write down is we do not have because we do not ask correctly. We do not have because we do not ask correctly. Romans 10, 9 and 10, I wanted to show you the power of the natural, the power of the, of the, the in the natural realm. Have you got Romans 10? The guys are saving some time here. We should have this memorized that if we confess with the mouth Lord Jesus Christ and shall believe in the heart that God has raised from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Verse 10. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And what, again, again, the way to become eternally secure, the way to become favored and blessed, the way to become a part of the things of God, the house of God, the minister of God, is by the confession of our mouth. That mouth gives us the power to live forever. When you, accept, when you acknowledge there's sin in your life and you ask Christ to come in and you, the Bible says you speak it and you confess it and you confess He's Lord and ask Him to come to your heart and become your Savior, at that, at that moment you are eternally secure. Now you can, if you desire to yank your hand from the hand of God and pursue sin and the things of the world, you have that, you have that right. But when you confess with your mouth, the words of your mouth has actually entitled you to a reality of eternity in heaven forever. What a, that's why it's so important for you to confess the Lord one to another. Share your testimony. Share the things that God has blessed you with. If you'll look at Psalms 2 and 7. Have you got it, Brother David? I will declare the decree the Lord hath said unto me, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. This is a prophetic word. You know what? I'm probably just going to end right here. This was a word of prophecy that God gave David concerning the Messiah. It is the book of Psalms that, that it says that none of his bones would be broken. It was prophesied in the book of Psalms that they would try to offer him vinegar to satisfy his thirst. There's about seven or eight prophetic words that, that God gave David about the, the reality of a pre-Adamic Christ. And this is one of them. When Jesus was baptized in the water, you know, the story, God's voice, the Holy Spirit came down in the form of a dove. And God said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Hear ye him. 
there is a there there is an ability to go through the word of God and begin to declare what the word of God has to say about you. And let me inter- introduce my last point. We'll do it all here together. There's such a thing, and I prayed this last Sunday in China Hill, Georgia. There's such a thing as prophetic praise. And that would be praising God for something that hasn't yet been done. Romans says, we'll speak those things that are not as they are, and so shall they be. Last Sunday night, I ministered to several families that they had children that were not serving God. They had husbands that weren't serving God. And so around the altars, I, I, I walked them through an exercise, and this was the exercise I walked them to. There was one woman in particular, I think the son's name was Mitchell, and Mitchell was away from God. Mitchell was not serving God. And I told that mom, I want you in the spirit. I want you to see Mitchell in this altar, hands lifted, tears flowing down his face, praising and worshiping God. I want you to see that. And I want you prophetically to begin to praise God for that miracle. Thank God for that miracle before it even takes place. Was that not a great word? Was that not a great? How many of us have loved ones away from God that aren't serving God that we can speak, though they're not there where they need to be, we can speak that they will be, and so shall they be. Yes. Most of you know, I'm, I'm be very careful. I, I appreciate NA. I appreciate AA. I just really have a challenge with admitting that I am a drug addict or an alcoholic, especially when I've been clean 20 or 30 years. I really, I really have a problem. that I think I would rather go through the Word of God and see what the Word of God has to say about me. And if you have a pen or you have a, uh, a, some, some, something to write, some of these sounds, I want to borrow something this morning from Joyce Meyer. This book is entitled, Me and My Big Mouth. And, and what I want to share with you is some scriptures that she has gone through and she has found that have to do with her. And listen, as you declare these over yourself, Hannah, it doesn't mean that you've already arrived, but it's a goal. It's a goal. There, were, there was a, a time in my life when there was a mental block in weightlifting, and it was 300. That was a weight that mentally that I had a hard time uh, bench pressing. And I remember there was a T-shirt that came out, and the T-shirt had weights on both sides. And one said 200 pounds, and one said 300 pounds, and one said 400 pounds. And I knew I would probably never bench press 400 pounds, but I thought I could bench press 400 pounds. So I started wearing the shirt. Hello. So I started wearing the shirt. People say, well, did you bench press 300 pounds? I said, well, no, not yet. But I'm wearing the shirt to encourage me and to inspire me to work even harder. And I've, <laughs> some of these scriptures, you might, you might buy the T-shirt. You may not be it yet, but that's what you're headed for, and that's what you'd like to be. So I'm just going to share just a few of these for time's sake. The first thing that I would like to realize that we need to declare that I am a new creature in Christ. Old things are passed away. All things are become new. 2 Corinthians 5 and 17. I have died and been raised with Christ, now seated in heavenly places. Ephesians 2. I am dead in sin and alive into righteousness. Romans 6 and 11. I have been set free. I'm free to love, free to worship. Free to trust with no fear of rejection of being hurt, John 8 and 36. I am a believer, not a doubter, Mark 5 and 36. I know God's voice, and I will always obey what he tells me, John 10 
and 3. I love to pray. I love to praise and worship God. Psalms 34 and 1. The, lo the love of God has been shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Spirit. Romans 5 and 5. I humble myself and God exalts me. 1 Peter 5 and 16. I am creative because the Holy Spirit lives in me. John 14 and 26. I love all people. Well, that's a prophetic statement. And I'm loved by all people. 1 John 3 and 14. I operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit with tongues, interpretation of tongues, the working of miracles, discerning of spirits, the word of faith, the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, healings and prophecy, 1 Corinthians 12, 8 and 10. I have a teachable spirit. Some of us really need to tell ourselves that. 2 Timothy 2 and 24. I will study the word of God. I will pray, 2 Timothy 2 and 15. I will never get tired or grow weary when I study the word, pray or minister, pursue God. But I am alert. Watch this, you Red Bull fans, full of energy. As I study... I become more alert and more energized, 2 Thessalonians 3 and 13. I am a doer of the word. I meditate on the word all day long, James 1 and 22. I am anointed, for God. I'm anointed of God for ministry. Hallelujah, Luke 4 and 18. Work is good. I enjoy work. Glory. I got a lot of amens there. <laughs> Ecclesiastes 5 and 19. I do all my work excellently and with great prudence, making the most of all my time, Ecclesiastes 9 and 10. I'm a teacher of the word, Matthew 28 and 19. I, li I live to bless people and spread the gospel, Matthew 28, 18 and 19, 20. I have compassion and understanding for all Peter, people, 1 Peter 3 and 8. I lay hands on the sick and they recover, Mark, Mark 16 and 18. I'm a responsible person. I enjoy responsibility. I rise to every responsibility in Christ Jesus, 2 Corinthians 11 and 28. Are you done declaring all these things over you that you're not yet? I do not judge my brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus after the flesh. I'm a spiritual woman and man, and I'm judged by no one. I do not hate, and that was uh, Romans 14 and 10. I do not hate or walk in unforgiveness, 1 John 2 and 1. I will cast all my care on the Lord, for he careth for me. We all know that's 1 Peter 5 and 7. Just a few more here. Is this blessing anybody? What the word says you can be. I do not have a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind, 2 Timothy 1 and 7. I am not afraid of the faces of man. I'm not afraid of the anger of man, Jeremiah 1 and 8. I do not fear. I do not feel guilty or condemned, 1 John 4 and 18, Romans 8 and 1. I am not passive about anything, but I deal with all things in my life immediately. I'm not sure that I've arrived there. Proverbs 27 and 23. I take every thought captive and the obedience of Christ, casting down every imagination, every high and lofty thing that exalts itself above the knowledge of God. 2 Corinthians 10 and 5. I walk in the Spirit all of the time. Galatians 5 and 16. I don't give the devil a foothold in my life. I resist the devil. He has to flee from me. Ephesians 4 and 27. I catch the devil in all of his deceitful lies. I cast him down and choose rather to believe the word of God, John 8 and 44. No weapon that is formed against me shall prosper, but every tongue that rises against me in judgment, I, shall, I, sh I show to be in the wrong, Isaiah 54 and 17. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Therefore, all of my thoughts are positive. I do not allow the devil to use my spirit as a garbage dump by meditating on negative thoughts that he offers me, Proverbs 23 and 7. I do not think more highly of myself than I ought to in the flesh, Romans 12 and 13. I am slow to speak, quick to hear, slow to anger, James 1, 19. 
God opens my mouth, no man can shut it. God shuts my mouth, no man can open it. Revelation 3 and 7. I do not speak negative things, Ephesians 4 and 29. I am purposed that my mouth should not transgress. I will speak forth the righteous praise of God all the day long, Psalms 35 and 28. I am an intercessor, 1 Timothy 2 and 1. The law of kindness is in my tongue. Gentleness is in my touch. Mercy and compassion are in my hearing, Proverbs 31 and 36. And just a few more. I do what I say I will do. I get where I'm going on time. Luke 16 and 10. I never bind a brother or sister with the words of my mouth, Matthew 18, 18. I'm always a positive encourager. I edify and build up. I never tear down or destroy, Romans 15 and 2. I cry to God most high who performs on my behalf and rewards me. Second Chronicles 16 and 19. When the word of God says that we, uh, let's, let's go with just one more, guys. Colossians 4, 5, and 6. That was the one I was going to end on. Let me make sure I didn't leave anything out here prophesying into your future. Ephesians 5 and 1 says, do what God does. Love what God loves. Hate what God hates. Romans 14 talks about me and my, me and Romans 4, me and my big mouth. And we won't even go there. But let's go to. Colossians 4, 5, and 6. I thought this was kind of an interesting way to con conclude this teaching this morning. Do we have it right? I, I, add, I added it just now. Sorry about that. That was inspirational. Okay, watch this now. Walk in wisdom towards them that are without. We're talking about the homeless, the hungry, the naked, the, those in, in prison. Redeeming the time. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. Look how we're supposed to speak. With grace, seasoned with salt. I preached a sermon one time entitled, Is There Clout to Your Shout? When you live your life accordingly, young people, in the Word of God, the way the Word of God operates and the way the Word of God rules, the Bible says that the words that come out of your mouth are going to be salty words. And salt encourages people to drink. People that are thirsty or are not thirsty, it, gives, it, it leads the tendency in their life to want to pursue something to refresh the salty taste they have in their mouth. And that's exactly what God has called us to be. We are the light of the world. We are candle. We are, we are the salt of the earth. We are the favor and we are the flavor of the world. And I think that's why we started off with give, give ear to my word, O Lord, consider my meditation. Hearken the voice of my cry, my King and my God, for unto thee will I pray. O Lord, in the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee and will look up. And so the, there the Lord encourages us every day in meditation. Speak these things, rehearse these things, declare these things, and see if through the weeks, through the months, through the years, through the decades, through the centuries, as I'm approaching half a century, no, six-tenths of a century, the, the, the more that you live for God, the more you serve God, the more you see the words you speak begin to encourage, begin to bless, begin to build up. And that's what I felt like the Lord gave me for this house today. Uh, if there's anybody here that's filled with demons, we'll have demon casting out next Sunday. Uh, this morning, we're going to end this with a very peaceful, calm. Uh, I just want to speak a blessing over you. May the Lord bless you and keep you, cause his face to shine upon you, allow you to be a light in a dark place. 
May he bless everything you touch. May your dreams be in color. May your vision be expanded. And, and may you think great thoughts and declare great decrees. And may the words of your mouth, the meditation of your heart, be acceptable in his sight, our strength and our redeemer. Pastor Todd is going to give you an envelope if you choose to sow this morning in the things of God. We are looking forward to um, Wednesday. The, the book of Nehemiah is one of the most